Hi, I'm Taffer. I'm Caddy. Welcome to Yeah, a show where we talk about young adult lit and what it can teach us at any age. This is our book club, and you're invited. Yeah! To everybody who has donated to the Upford Network's uh, fundraiser so far, we are currently over two thousand dollars. I suspect by release we will probably be at our first goal of twenty five hundred. Twenty five hundred covers both a new studio computer for editing and producing, and also transcription services for all of the shows on our network. We really believe that accessibility for deaf and hard of hearing podcast fans is as important as production, which is why we folded this into the network's main goal. Our stretch goal just got revealed today, uh, which is with another 2,500. We will replace all of the equipment in the studio and donate the equipment that we have to a local high school, youth center, um, some kind of program that could use equipment for teaching young people how to podcast and how to produce audio media. And that's so cool because as someone who has worked with local youth, hyper-local to where you live um, and where the studio is, mm-hmm. is a great, great initiative. And this is the kind of thing that we definitely need to do. Like we said, during, uh, you know, money is going to be tight for the next couple of years. So let's see uh, how we can help each other out. And And don't forget, you don't have to give big sums. Any a little bit definitely helps. Oh, absolutely. We have people donating $1, $5. Um, and don't forget to check out, uh, the link is in our show notes, but we have a lot of perks that are involved as well. So when you donate, you can get things like a guest spot on this very show. You can name an NPC for the Canadian Dungeons and Dragons show, Natural Toonie. You can get an ad slot. The advertising uh, rates are incredibly low. It's $10 for one or $40 for five. Uh, You can also get a podcast consulting session with our producer, Tom Zalatni, for $20, which is normally $30. And there's just so many. You can also still get a hand-sewn stuffed whale by me. There are four left. So there's really a lot of things you can get out of this as well. Um, I also want to mention that for that 20% of any money we make on top of our goals will be donated to our local food bank. Because we're really looking for ways to get involved in the community, give back to the community. This is a queer-led network. Uh, We are trying to create a space that is inclusive, that is communal, that is fun for people to be around. Um, But we're also, you know, just trying to keep the lights on and the doors open. So anything you can give, if you can share it on your social media or with your friends or with your parents, uh, we would really, really, really appreciate it. I love it. I think... I think I'm going to donate now. Oh. <laughs> I feel like I might need a whale. Do it. I'm getting a new sewing machine, so I'm going to be churning them out. All but right. There's only got four it. left. Four. 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 All right. <laughs> We'd like to take this time to acknowledge that the studio where we record and the homes where we are are situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember that the lands we occupy are not our own, and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. 
We encourage you to take some time today and every day to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and the indigenous communities of that area. So this week, Tefra and I had uh, the pleasure of uh, jumping into a world that uh, Tefra knows, the world that was completely new to me, and that was through Kristen Kashore, her uh, novel Winterkeep, which is part of the Graceling realm. Uh, and uh, it's a book. Tefra, do you want to give us the, the overview? Because you know the universe better than I do. I do. It is indeed a book. So for those of you who are familiar with the Graceling Realm, and I don't think you have to be familiar with the Graceling Realm to enjoy the book, but I do think knowing the books that come before really enriches your reading of it. Uh, this is a book that revisits the realms um, five years after Bitter Blue. So Bitter Blue is now queen. She is like 22, 23 at this point. She is, you know, a mature queen who has been ruling her kingdom and making decisions. And in those five years, Bitter Blue and, and the rest of the Seven Kingdoms um, learned of a continent further east than the Dells. So Winterkeep is the country they've made the first contact with because it is the closest to them. There are also four other nations, Kamisar, Borza, Tavar, and Mantapur. And this is a book that is about, in some ways, about diplomacy between the two continents and in some ways about uh, a young girl who is from Winterkeep who is navigating her own life stuff. That's very well put. It, when I heard about this, like when I heard that Kristen Kishore had written another um, Graceling Realms book. I was thrilled. I had been really hoping that she would. Um, yeah. I'm such a fan of the Graceling uh, trio, as anybody who has listened to this podcast continuously probably knows, because I have a little bit of mentionitis about it. I really think it's a, a fantastic world, uh, really well built, and I was so excited that she was revisiting it. And when I heard that she was expanding the universe, I was a little bit nervous she had already expanded it once with the Dells and Pickia and Fire. And I was just kind of like, can you keep this good thing going? Can you like keep expanding these borders and keep it being good? Um, and I shouldn't have doubted her. Uh, Kristen, <laughs> I'm sorry I doubted you. Because of course you could do it. Of course you can do it. Because I, I'm not sure that there's anything you can't do. Nobody puts Kristen in a corner. God, she's so good. She's so good. Anyway, it's a long book. You know, it's a big, it's a big chunky read with a lot of content, as her other Graceling books have been as well. Um, there are a lot of people's stories woven in. So on the one hand, it follows Bitter Blue, and on the other hand, it follows Lovisa, who is a young, a sixteen-year-old girl, um, who lives in Winterkeep and whose mother is the president of Winterkeep. You know nothing is going to go well when a character's parent is the president of something. Mm. Can we just name that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. I find that there's something, like, I, I tend to, I, I scream a lot on this. Well, I don't scream. I, like, I get, I feel like I get on a soapbox about, like, where are the adults? Like, we need loving adults written into our stories and things like that. But there's always something. Maybe that's, like... Because it, it, it's true, I find, in, like, most fiction 
is the higher up your parents are, the higher up the expectations are towards the child. And then the child just like kind of takes a tumble or gets the crap kicked out of them by life or, you know, several other options. But it's never it's never positive, Mm -hmm. you know. And I thought that that was that's particular. Yeah, the um, much more than the other books, the 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 fabric, the material of this book is very political. Um, it is a much more politically bathed book uh, because I think Winterkeep is a democracy, or at least in nominally a democracy, and people are thinking and engaging more with politics. It is, I mean, we can just name it from the get-go. The political system in Winterkeep is a two-party system in which the recurring theme is one party is more about free trade and one party is more about environmentalism. Um, and sort of the the issue is that they're actually both just about money. And this is really beautifully, I think, illustrated by the fact that Lovisa's parents are one is a member of one party and one is a member of the other. And so Lovisa is just completely disenchanted from the beginning about, you know, the two parties. So there are there are certain analogies to the known world. I mean, Lovisa is a bipolitical child, you know, Um, she exemplifies what um, I, you know, yeah, she's she's torn. It's she's I wanted to give that character a hug. Yes. I think that's all I can say. Like, just from the get-go, there was something about her character that made her really in need of a hug. And I mean, look, I haven't read the previous stories. And I think that um, I am at, I'm, I'm, I'm sad to not have read them yet. I think that's the, that's a bit of a challenge. So there's definitely some links and some ties between certain characters that, you know, I think I felt less engaged in because I felt like I needed to have a very strong baggage to come into this story. Mm. Um, also because uh, Kristen Kashore is an excellent writer. Um, she's very good at weaving, wor- like creating worlds and imagery and, and, and really kind of sucking you into a beautiful universe. And it kind of feels like being absorbed into like the world of um, a, a superhero film almost, you know, that fantasy aspect is really, really gorgeous and all that. Um, but, but this is a rough book and everybody deserves hugs in it. I find that even I'm looking at the cover of the book right now and it's, it's, you know, all these waves and, and all of this blue and, and there is this sense of, drowning and suffocation and trauma in her characters yeah I think um I'm pretty sure we reviewed Graceling I can't remember if we reviewed it as a trilogy towards the beginning or if we reviewed them individually I think Bailey and I just did an overview of the full trilogy but one of the reasons I love these books uh Kristen Kishore's books so much and one of the reasons they're very personally meaningful to me is they're one of some of the most thorough and responsible portrayals of family trauma that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's a theme through all of them. Everybody comes from family situations or um, home situations that are not mm. ideal. There are, I think, so you brought up loving adults, and I think there are more loving adults in the first three who mm. there are more helpers who crop up in this one the helpers are kind of 
Bitter Blue and Gidden, um, who are who are young adults. Bitter Blue, especially, uh, is a book that deals with the trauma of psychological abuse really, really, really well. And um, this is, I think, the main thing that you miss uh, reading the book, reading Winter Keep without having read Bitter Blue, is that every time Bitter Blue is talking to Lovisa about the traumatic things Lovisa has suffered, they are all things that Bitter Blue has also gone through. And when she is talking to Lovisa and giving her the advice or the things she needs to hear, it, it, there's that similarity, there's that resonance between their experiences that is just so beautiful to know about. Um, mm-hmm. And Bitter Blue never brings it back to her own experience. Bitter Blue never says, you know, I know what you're going through. I've gone through it too. She just uses her background to support this younger woman and help her. Um, and that, I think, is what I appreciated the most about seeing a character who had just gone through horrific trauma from her earliest days as Lovisa has mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. in a place where she is safe and able to say you are worthy of love and you didn't you don't deserve this um and that I think is just really beautiful and really profound although you know what <sighs> now that I'm thinking about it I read Bitter Blue before I read Graceling and Fire okay and usually people read Graceling first, then fire, then bitter blue. Okay. Or no, Graceling first, then bitter blue, then fire, I guess. <laughs> and I read bitter blue first. And and when you read bitter blue first, you get kind of plunged into this very disorienting world. And I actually wonder if there might be something really interesting about similarly reading Winterkeep first and then reading bitter blue. I guess we'll have to talk about it. I mean... Is this a case of like, hey, let's make Caddy read a series of books uh, in a different order? I'm into it. I love this stuff. (laughs) I think it's great. I do want to talk about Bitter Blue and Lovisa. And I think that there's something not knowing Bitter Blue as a character. I'm realizing that these are evidences. Um, But what a leader. Wow, 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 wow. What a cool, cool example to have for uh, young readers. I love different forms of leadership. And and in a certain sense, uh, she made me think of um, Glimmer in Shira and the Princesses of Power. Mm. My all-time favorite show. <laughs> yeah, she, she, like it's putting, having young characters have to make incredible decisions for others, like for themselves is one thing, and that is one level of self-discovery. But for others mm-hmm. is also very, very fascinating because it really forces, you know, a young character who's supposed to be in the midst of a, a you know, in terms of, of, of their development, they're supposed to be very focused on themselves and very turned inwards in, our, in order to decide who they want to be. And I find it very impressive to see characters that are, you know, thrust into positions where they have to turn outwards. Um, but this is kind of an interesting way of seeing it through through the lens of of trauma. Mm-hmm. While they're like, I mean, listen, this is this is no walk in the park. We are we are very far from Avonlea. So what's really neat is that these characters. You know, this isn't trauma porn. 
mm-hmm. right? I ha- like, and like we've reviewed trauma porn, and 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 I, I would hope that everyone understands that I am not here for it. Yeah. Um, I love a good dystopian situation, but just like trauma upon trauma is not great. Um, and this manages to to get it done in a very interesting way. Um, so I am definitely interested, especially now, sort of like realizing more about Bitter Blue and, and that relationship with Lovisa, you know, I think knowing more about Bitter Blue will definitely give me a different impression of this and will help me love love this character more, I have a feeling. I'm remembering, like, as you say this, that this is actually something Kristen Kishore has done before, having mm-hmm. the slightly older uh, woman carry her experience with her family um, to to help the younger woman, and that was actually at the end of Bitter Blue. Bitter Blue meets Fire, who similarly helps Bitter Blue, which is I think I forgot about it because I hadn't read Fire yet uh, when I read Bitter Blue the first time, so it didn't make as much of an impact. And then I went back to it, and that makes me think about sort of the generational aspect here, because <clears throat> this book. So I I want to put a little content warning for people who have read the Graceling Realms before. Um, Fire, Bitter Blue, and Graceling. You know that these books deal with trauma. They make me cry in ways that are cathartic and healing. (laughs) Um, But I found, and maybe this is just my own experience Mm -hmm. coming through and my own personal triggers, I found that the portrayals of abuse in this book were much more difficult. Yes. Possibly because it's just... Like, I think in the other books, usually people have gifts and magic going on. And in this one, it's just plain human cruelty. And it, and it really is just the, the generational impacts of parents being cruel to their children. And I think the element of parentation where, where Lovisa feels responsible for her younger brothers yes. um, made it much harder to stomach. Uh, oh, because yes. instead of seeing a teenager with a history of abuse, we see a teenager and small children all getting it. Yeah, that's uh, that's rough. That's a rough. That's a rough section of the book. Yeah. <laughs> so I I just want to put that out there in case there is somebody who really loved the Graceling trilogy, but maybe needs to proceed with a little more caution and just just with self care and thoughtfulness. Um, for me personally, I mean, despite it being very difficult to read, it was still worthwhile to read. It wasn't the kind of trauma porn that I'm just like, well, this is just triggering for no reason. Yes. Um, but, you know, you know what your boundaries are <laughs> and and just take care of yourself. I love that. That's that's very well put. So let's talk about the generational divide, because I saw this book as like millennials and Gen Z hanging out, you know, like... There's something about Lovisa's feistiness that, you know, made me think of, yeah, that made me think of, of, of some Gen Zers. And I mean, I don't know, there's all this, uh, there's all this press happening right now about how apparently Gen Z hates millennials. And like, I don't know, but this feels like something that was written by boomers, you know? The impression I have gotten for what it's worth is that Gen Z made a few criticisms about millennial style choices as teenagers do. And millennials, I don't know why, got super (laughs) butthurt about it and started just like, I don't know. My personal opinion is that... (laughs) 
Teenagers <laughs> don't care how you wear your hair. They just don't want to wear it like that. Calm down. Exactly. Calm oh my gosh. the fuck down. Yes, Tepper. Yes, yes, yes. Perhaps in 20 years, we'll have a resurgence of teenagers who will want to wear like a beehive or like a very, very, very teased like um, chignon situation mm-hmm. with like lots and lots of hairspray no uh pomade uh because we know how hairspray is bad for the environment speaking of the environment (laughs) (laughs) we were talking about gen z versus uh um versus millennials and i think nowhere is this more apparent in this book than like the understanding of like eco devastation this Mm -hmm. book definitely plays if you've got some eco anxiety maybe take maybe 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 tread cautiously i would say um and there is a difference in looking at things and and this sort of old guard new guard mm-hmm. kind of observance and and it's fun it's interesting um but i really am looking forward to the moment where people realize like i know that i am not the only millennial who thinks that gen z is super awesome and cool i also think gen z is super awesome and cool yeah i don't want them to save me because i don't want anyone to save me i want to save myself um but um, I will gladly listen. I will gladly listen to their voices the way that adults did not listen to millennials, mm-hmm. you know, and like show them a bit more respect than maybe we were shown. And 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 yeah, so that's a that's a fun part, and that kind of made me feel comfortable also with, again, with like not knowing the universe so well. Like I was struggling with 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 jumping into to to. To bitter blue and get in and everyone like I was just kind of like I feel like I don't have enough information so jumping into La Visa and the story of um to to, to the whole story of the universe of uh, of Winterkeep you know it, it was fun to jump in and be like all right let's see how 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 the young guard looks at it how the young generation is and where's the feistiness and also it's a testament to her character more than anything else let's just say it Lovisa is amazing we mm-hmm. love her show great character yeah i love that you brought up the uh the like gen z millennial thing because i think you're right and i also like love and really admire gen z i like i look Mm -hmm. at gen z and i'm just like oh cool we're good like we're gonna be good and like i i did love seeing that i do want to like i'm i'm hesitant to talk too much about the bitter blue and gooden storyline um because i don't want to be too spoilery but i do feel like it's established kind of from the beginning and I mean, you all know that I talk shit about age gaps a lot here, uh, and they do have a nine-year age gap, but having seen Giddens' character through the trilogy, and also, like, I feel like the nine-year age gap is, like, less of a big deal once once everybody's, like, establishedly into their 20s. But, like, I'm reading Graceling with my seven-year-old right now, which is the book where we first meet Gidden when he's, like, 19, I did the math Mm. and like figuring his (laughs) shit out and he's you know he's 19 he's the lord of a castle and he has land and a bunch of employees and like is super responsible and like very rich and um uh is in love with with somebody who is certainly not in love with him and he's not right for her 
at all and kind of pushes it in shitty ways and gets his heart broken and sulks about it and um you just kind of see him grow and you see him in bitter blue as kind of a secondary character and i really feel like Kristen kishore dropped little crumbs of bitter blue having a crush on giddon <laughs> throughout bitter blue but at that point bitter blue's 17 so giddon's not like paying attention and I really, really en- enjoyed seeing this character development, especially because I am currently reading the book where he is a young, dumb kid. Uh, <laughs> and I really enjoyed seeing all the things that made him unsuited for Katza in Graceling being things that made him suited for Bitter Blue in Winterkeep, finally. So in Graceling, we see him sort of being like, well, I want to, like, take care of you and be really kind to you and do nice things for you and have babies with you. And Katz is just kind of like, all of this sounds terrible. And and so coming to Winterkeep and seeing all his caringness and kindness and strength to take care of other people uh, being really good for Bitter Blue was, like, very satisfying and nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, seeing him having matured and developed through things like losing all of his wealth (laughs) 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 which is also a 2020 lesson listen it's that's a 2021 and 2022 lesson let's be honest (laughs) that's very well put about um the whole the whole situation between those two characters were the previous books very queer um queer baity I didn't. I don't find them queer baity. Uh, Fire has a bisexual lead. Um, oh. who, yes, representation. Yeah. yeah. Oh, a, a bisexual disabled lead who lives with chronic pain. She's she's awesome. Bitter blue is bi canonically more like like tends to date men more, but has like interests. Okay. And there are queer characters throughout. Yeah. There are queer sex. Like it's a world where queerness is. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's what I was wondering. Yeah. I, because <laughs> um, because this book fe- this book just reads as queer. Yeah, um, oh, sorry. And I just remembered, like, Bitter Blue's ex-boyfriend, Saf, who's mentioned at the beginning of this one, who is kind of her main romantic character in Bitter Blue, is canonically by and is dating a man in uh, <gasps> oh, Winter Keep. Yes. yes. So there's that. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I love it. I love, I love it. It makes me happy. It makes me feel good. I think I just wish there was queer sex in the book. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, because I feel like, look, this is a universe where like foxes can speak to you telepathically. Um, side note, guess what I want for my birthday? Um, um, but yeah so but but like and there's like there's some hot sex in this book Mm -hmm. but like awesome hot queer sex in it because I'm pretty sure that Chris and Kishore can write a real good like one-handed like book that you hold with one hand kind of situation for queers Um, (laughs) I think so this is the first book that is quite this hot also Uh, so it's kind of new I felt I felt queer tension between Lovisa and Nev through the Mm -hmm. whole book I don't know if that's because I have a crush on Nev hard not to (laughs) yeah Nev is hot (laughs) <laughs> I'm kind of hoping that that's going to be like a future book. Fair. That we'll see Lovisa and Nev finally bang it out. 
Yeah. But like, yes, wow. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> For all the sex Ooh. in the book, there could be there could be queer sex. What there I find really be. interesting about the way sex works is that it, it seems to me in this universe, um, she has created a universe where people are like chill about queerness, but there there does still seem to be heteronormativity. Mm-hmm. But I think it's written consciously. Like, it doesn't feel like she's defaulted to heteronormativity. It feels like she's saying, eh, no, it tracks to me that in this society there would still be heteronormativity. Um, And you have that with, like, Bitter Blue has to marry a man to have an heir. That's, like, how the the rule of the kingdom goes. I Um, hate that rule. Oh, yeah, me too. Uh, In the bells, they got around that by the the queen mother just having a girlfriend. I was like, we're married to have heirs, and then we each have our have our lovers uh but that's a different (laughs) universe but i feel like that's a universe that would jive well with this universe yeah Yeah. actually yeah i I could could. i could see them all being on the same planet oh gosh (laughs) (laughs) well then i definitely need uh someone to write some fanfic erotica about this because that would be pretty fun yeah yeah definitely (laughs) definitely loads of slash potential Ooh, so much slash potential so much fanfic potential here yes yeah Yes, 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 yes. We love it. Is there anything else that you want to sort of jump on? It's hard because with this book being so new, we definitely don't want to st- we don't want to spoil uh, too much, mm-hmm. should I say? Not nothing, but like not too much. Yeah, so it's it's a bit hard to get around certain elements. Mm-hmm. Um, is there? I don't know. What did this book smell like to you? Like, did it create a? weird like it made me want to be in a forest like Mm. a twinkly forest it definitely gave me like irish cliffs oh yeah you know (laughs) yeah it's cold it made me cold um but maybe it's just because this week was really cold okay yes i have a couple more things that i want to talk about bitter blues reverence for food um (laughs) this is something i mean like i know this character intimately i have read the book about her origin story many, many times. And in this book, she is hungry because she is, like, without enough food for a good portion of the book. But Bitter Blue always, as a character, whenever there is food in the room, just gets very quiet and focused on the food. And, like, like food makes her really happy consistently. And it's a character trait that that Kristen Kishore has just kind of very quietly written into her character. But it's, like, her hallmark. Like, Bitter Blue loves food. And in Bitter Blue, every time there's food in the room... Like, she is completely distracted by the food, no matter what else is going on. And I loved seeing that continued here. Because it was like, oh, yeah, I remember that bitter blue. She loves food. Like, she... (laughs) (laughs) Um, And also just fun to see a, like, young woman character who just fucking loves to eat. (laughs) Uh, Wait, wait, can we pause for emphasis? A character who loves to eat is a character that I love by default. Yup. It's a sensual character. Mm-hmm. And someone who understands their needs and wants. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I mean, yeah, like, Bitter Blue is a sensual character. Like, we see yes. her, you know, in Bitter Blue, she had her first boyfriend. And in this one, she's, like, been having multiple affairs with multiple people because it's fun. <laughs> you know, she's sex positive. She's food positive, And yeah. we love her. 
I do feel like we could talk a little bit more about the particular environmentalism of this book, because what I actually find optimistic about it, Mm -hmm. and I mean, this is like, this book, I feel like you can tell that it was at very least edited in 2020. Like this is, there, there are a lot of themes, but the environmentalism is at least early. It's people catching environmental issues when they can still be fixed Mm -hmm. Um, before, you know, like there are creatures who have been harmed. There are regions that have been harmed, but it's it's not irreversible. And that's what makes me hopeful is that it's people noticing at the beginning. Wait a second. This is this is harming our environment. And, like, part of that is because there are these wonderful ocean-going manatees who talk to humans telepathically uh, and and beautiful sea creatures who like shiny things. And, oh, I really like the animal world in this one. Listen, I thought it was epic. Um, I am a big fan of all things nature. Um, and I think that these it was it was well built and it is nice to have a world where preventative environmentalism is nice and listened to and adhered to i think it shows again this type of you know i talked quickly at the beginning at the top of the show about um how the the creating of a world is woven in so well mm-hmm. that understanding that basically everyone on you know, everyone in that world is basically attuned to the needs of the world as well. Mm-hmm. You know, like while in this like strangely capitalistic dystopian weirdness at the same time. Um, but there is this, 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 this sense of, of, of listening and this sense of caring to a certain extent, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then I don't want to say more because I don't know. <laughs> If I'm imagining things or, yeah. There is so much going on in this book. Definitely. There are so many characters. There's so much intrigue. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of intrigue that we just don't get to know about also. Like there are lots of things that are referred to that we don't really get to the bottom of. Yeah, it's very rich. I it's don't, super rich. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. It's fun. I think that that's the thing that's also interesting. And I'm, I'm, there's a part of me that also wonders how this hasn't been made into a film series. It's This series has been slept on. And this is like why I yell about it so mm-hmm. much is mm-hmm. that it is so damn good. And like it just hasn't had the press. Yeah. Um, but it would be wonderful as a like it's so visual um it's so current yes it's just yeah yeah absolutely this is it's 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 so it would be so stunning visually like can you imagine the costume detailing that can happen in this (laughs) i picked my themes appropriately i know who i know who my audience is um but yeah no for sure there's there's you know like it's you can almost imagine like almost a faint like dusting of um the dark crystal universe over Mm -hmm. it as well which is really exciting Ugh, i would love it thin veils of everything like very avalonian Mm -hmm. um 
Oh, yes. Lots of drapes. I feel lots of drapings and like drapings also with like water and drapings with like drapings of trees. Yeah. And I just, I see like Hunger Games, um, Catching Fire knitwear. <gasps> yes, Teflon. Yeah. This is this is good knitwear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you cast it at all mentally? Um, I have not because okay. I don't feel like I know the characters enough. Mm-hmm. I could see. Um, so I th- I was thinking that for um, Lovisa, mm-hmm. um, like. Because listen, I saw Lovisa as black. Uh, <laughs> oh, I think that's I think that's written in. I oh, like okay, I good. I don't think I that just, I think that she's so, she's got yeah. like so like through the Graceling realm they talk about people having brown skin and then they're talking about the new continent and they're like oh and they're even more like they're even darker skinned and have, yeah like, that's oily a bit, hair. but it's not made it's not made <laughs> yeah. into more of a thing which is actually rather great yeah um but yeah it, it like I saw it like either a younger Kiki Palmer mm-hmm. or a Yara Shahidi could also be a really fun Lovisa um I think she would have to like be a bit a bit more muscly um i can see yara shahidi yeah but i feel like a a yara shahidi kind of kind of situation like could be really good character for her yeah a great building opportunity for her absolutely no i like what does the rest of the cast look like tell me tell me oh I'm having this issue again where, like, like I think I'm having the opposite issue where, like, Bitter Blue is just a character I know too well. Like, I, I can't cast her um, mm. because she's she is too much of a character in my mind. Like, I have very clear images of her and Giddon for myself. But... <laughs> um, okay. I have, look, Giddon, personally, Giddon can get it for me from me of course he can yeah Giddon Giddon can get it um no see I'm so much I'm I'm worse at this casting game than you are I see that that's that's challenging I struggle I mean if Giddon can get it who can get it I think that's the important question the you important ask question? yourself yeah sorry there is an actor who's like in my head and I'm like trying to what have you seen him in I'm really good at this oh I know <laughs> I'm really bad <laughs> <laughs> I see Giddon as like a white guy with like brown curly hair and beard and and brown eyes yeah like um, one of those like, kind of like but like big and muscly and strong Ooh, um, big and muscly and strong fair fair yeah fair. he is very like i feel like he's very physically described um yes um yeah. I, it's because i was thinking more nicholas holt's type um nicholas holt who played beast in uh, the new x-men movies um and he also played uh, a teenager in that teen show. Oh no, no, he's not. He doesn't. Gins. He doesn't do it for me. I feel like he's like an Avengers type. You know, he's like somebody who would be like a superhero in Avengers. Mm-hmm. Like, like he's always described as being very hot and very physical. So maybe like I don't know, maybe like Chris Pine. I could see Chris Pine. Chris Pine can definitely get it. Chris Pine can get it any day, anytime. Oh, he's like 40, though. He's too old. Everybody's too old. No, that's great. 40 <laughs> is when they get good. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying for myself. I'm saying for the character because Gidden's 31. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. We've all been inside for a long time. I love my girlfriend. <laughs> But I have a very exciting imagination. (laughs) I 
love it. I love it. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, okay. So, um, what about Nev? How would you cast Nev? Nev, in my mind, is quite tall. Mm-hmm. Um, her vibes, I get kind of like the actress who plays Ola in Sex Education. Yes, who, that is exactly who I was thinking about. So, I'm super happy to hear you yeah, say that. Yeah, Patricia Allison. I can definitely, definitely see as Nev. Love it. Yeah. Benny is another character, like Luvisa's dad. Benny, her her parents, I both have, like, very strong physical impressions of. But, like, I almost feel like her dad, Benny, could be, like, Dev Patel, who is 30. Oh. So maybe we have to make Gidden Dev Patel, which I oh, can also see. And that's exactly what I was going to say, is, yeah. like, if you make... Dev Patel Giddin. Yeah. I mean, yeah. then Giddin can 1000% get. It. Yeah, you know what? No, I'm into it. Dev Patel is Giddin. There we go, canonically. That's hot. We're into it. We're into it. I'm into it. Now I'm excited to read these other books because mm-hmm. I've got to cast in my brain. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and maybe I would suggest uh, we should throw it to the audience uh, to see. Uh, maybe you guys, should, you, you should all tweet at us. Uh, yeah. At still us. Tweet at us. Let's cast this. Let's cast this. Mo- let's, let's cast, cast this story. This. Yeah, let's cool. do that. I really like I want to get an iPad with a stylus so I can start making fan art because I always have this in my head. I just like don't draw it. Pepper. I'm gonna start. Everyone writing, needs I'm gonna start drawing sexy Graceling fan art. <laughs> and I love you even more now. <laughs> Thank you. All right, should we outro? Yeah, I'm like trying to cast this still in my brain. But like, yeah, we should probably do that. One day I'll be good at this casting game, Caddy. No, one day, I love it. One day I'll know. One I'm going to keep pushing you and it's going to be keep, fun. Keep, make make me better. Make me yeah. better, Caddy. Teamwork, teamwork, teamwork. <laughs> I, I might one day wear something with a peplum. I might also not. But I'm going to watch Coming to America 2 and give myself permission to covet all the clothes. Cool. Mm-hmm. That African print for the whip. <laughs> can you imagine African print peplum? I'm into it. <laughs> I can imagine it. Oh, that's really cool. I saw one of my friends shared on Facebook today. Not today. This week. I don't know what time is. What is time? <laughs> on Facebook, actually, one of our patrons, Emmett Cameron, shared a really cool project where somebody made a map of Africa with fabric from all the different yes, regions. Yes, 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 like, yes. Quilted. I heard about this. And I want, like, a world map. I want to do that. Like, I want to get fabric from everywhere and do, like, a whole... You remember those, like, hug-a-world pillows? Oh, yes. Yeah. I'm here for it. I want to do that. I want to do That's that. So start idea. sending me fabric from countries, people. Yeah, folks. I don't know why I sound so aggressive about that. <laughs> because right. you are. I'm so aggressive about my fabric. I'm so excited. I'm buying a new sewing machine as soon as I can go to an ATM to deposit my money. And I can't wait. That's exciting. That's great. Thanks for listening to Yeah! If you want to leave feedback, cast a movie, suggest a book for us to read, or just say hi, send us an email at theyapodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at yapodcast and individually. I'm at caddy double underscore D. And I'm at Tepper Bear, where things are getting real unhinged lately. <laughs>
If you like the show and want to help us make it even better, consider supporting us on Patreon. You can get all kinds of great perks, including early access to bonus content, shoutouts, guest appearances, and more. Head to patreon.com slash yapodcast to donate. Shoutout to our patrons, Catherine Reshi, Erica Stitchberry, Kat McGuire, Lizzie Tenhove, Chantal Thomas, Maddie Dever, Megan Jane, Emily Patton, as seen last week, and Emmett Cameron, as seen with Hugga World. And Patty, I know you haven't listened to this week's episode yet, so I want to let you know that Emily specifically asked to read the patron names and then cold proceeded to cold read the list without a flaw. I was astonished. I um, now feel rather incompetent. I was amazed. (laughs) Please note how I waited for you to start the outro so that I wouldn't have to read the names because I'm horrible at it. And the patrons will stop patroning us soon if I keep messing up their names. Oh no, they wouldn't worry about it. No, no, no. Um, We have merch! Hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get some from the fine folks over at Public. Get some! You can also support us for free by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts, subscribing on Spotify, and by sharing this episode with a friend. Maybe a friend who really liked the Graceling books? Uh, maybe a friend who's Gen Z? I don't know. Special thanks to Great Bear for letting us use their song Jenny's Groove as our theme music. You can find their music for sale at greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com. This episode was produced by someone named Tefra Jemian and edited by Tom Zalatni as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. I'm Tom Zalatni, executive producer of the Upford Network and host and producer of Up for Discussion, a podcast about great food and the people who love to make and eat it. But wait, isn't Up for Discussion a comedy podcast? It sure was, but things change. It's a food show now, and it's a very, very good food show. Every week, I dig into a different ingredient, dish, meal, or cuisine with help from friends and guest experts who know way more about this stuff than I do. Do you like food? Of course you do. You're a person. So you will like this show. Go listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. Up for discussion. It's a food podcast now. Brought to you by the Upford Network. Hey, I'm October Jones. Hi, and this I'm is- Fish with Legs. I'm a fish with legs. Fish. I'm the elemental creature of water. And I'm here to tell you about my podcast called October Jones and Fish with Legs. Starring me and my best friend, <laughs> October Jones. Nailed it. October and Fish is a fictional series that follows me and Fish with Legs as we try to stop an evil two-headed snake from releasing a terrible monster. And make friends, and go on adventures, and get captured a lot, and escape a lot, and encounter racism. And what? And learn very special lessons every third episode. I have not learned a single lesson. Yes, you did. We learned about being friends, and authoritarianism, and colonialism, and how to defeat a giant crab. Authoritarianism? They're in authority for a reason, Fish with Legs. If everyone followed the rules set in place by the human government, then there wouldn't be- for adults and kids. (laughs) New episodes on Mondays. You can find it wherever you find podcasts and, of course, on the Upford website. Okay, that's it.